your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation. It is Andrew Wade of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. We are back. This is the first episode after the first game of the Iowa Hawkeye season. And as always, we are joined with former Iowa wide receiver and our very special guest who joined us every single game last season, Matt Vandenberg. Matt, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. It was a big win. Uh, can't ask for much better. Uh, one game in, one to know. That's where we need to be. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing we need to realize as we begin talking about this game. First and foremost, we got the W. We got it against a ranked opponent in Indiana, and we got it in such a dominating fashion. Yes, there are things to clean up, but there's a lot of things to take away from this game. So we're going to talk about all that on the show today. Before we get into anything, uh, Matt, you have some incredibly exciting news that I want you to share. Um, where can folks be finding you at? Because last year, they loved your segment on the show talking about Iowa football, and you're going to be doing that now with your own show with Laura. So tell the, tell the folks about where you're going to be um, hosting some podcasts at. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, uh, yeah, it all kind of happened pretty quick, but the, as a part of the Believe Podcast Network, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Spotify, really anywhere you can get podcasts. Um, it's called Just Believe in Iowa Football, and Laura and I are kind of spearheading that thing. Um, I really don't have too much too much else. We're just excited <laughs> to get rolling. We got a teaser up there. Um, I'm sure anything with a husband and wife are going to debate more than we probably should, but either way, uh, it's going to be a good time. I love it, man. And when is the first official episode dropping for y'all? First official episode should be tomorrow. It's gonna be it's gonna be our kind of spin on recapping uh, Indiana, and then every Friday we're gonna do a preview for the for the upcoming game, and then Monday's gonna be a recap of the previous game. And so tomorrow, wow, tomorrow I guess will be the first episode. That's crazy. Super exciting, man. And if anyone is on the YouTube channel, you can see Matt and I talking a little bit about football. You can also see me just to call it outcome entirely. I'm going to be sweating throughout the show because I am in 86 degrees and humidity and I am not used to humidity. I am down in Key West, Florida, and I am absolutely struggling out here in the heat right now. So I'm going through the elements. Matt, let's get into the game, though. Uh, the first thing we talked about last year was always Spencer Petrus and I looked at this game and I thought, you know what? Spencer did a pretty good job of moving around in the pocket. I thought he made some decent decisions. Yes, there were some questionable decisions. I think he needs to be able to – he doesn't throw the ball very well on the run. But overall, I thought Spencer played an okay game. It wasn't bad. We just needed someone to play an average game of football um, to be able to get this W. And I don't think Iowa needed to do a lot, right? When you get up 14 nothing in the first two minutes and you have so many defensive – uh, big plays. You have two pick sixes. You have three interceptions total. Uh, I think you don't need to be able to, you don't need to show all your cards, especially with the Iowa State game. So I wanted to get your thoughts on Spencer Petrus's performances. That is always a hot topic of conversation for Iowa Hawkeye fans. Absolutely. Um, I don't think he did anything that he didn't need to do. You know, I mean, he, he didn't really try to force anything, which I think is one of the biggest keys of somebody maturing. Um, now, don't get me wrong, some people are bigger risk takers by trade. Spencer doesn't appear to be that way. Um, you know, he was able to throw the ball away and whatever, and he wasn't like uh, their quarterback who throws it away right to Dane Belton's hands. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like, he made smart decisions. Um, and I think one thing to, to keep in mind as well is the stat sheet doesn't tell the whole story. So it had him as less than 50% completion percentage, but there were a lot of missed plays out there in terms of um, – 
catches that I believe should have been caught and weren't. And don't get me wrong, I've had my fair, fair my fair share of drops. I'm not saying that I never dropped any passes, um, but I think it's clear that there were a few few balls out there that were down uh, that could have helped his stat line if you're a stat line person of, well, the stats only say this. Well, okay, well, that wasn't all on him, you know. Um, there were a few plays that I thought he made really well, rolling out to his left. He makes the throw to Charlie Jones, threw it in rhythm. Uh, unfortunately, Charlie's foot was out. It was hard to see from where I was in, in the replay they showed. Um, but, uh, I mean, like those little things, being able to move and, and make, a, make a throw on the move, I think is really good. Absolutely. And I think you you point out something that I met I saw on Twitter as well. I love I love going to Twitter just to get a gauge of where everyone is at, where everyone's uh and whatever is feeling angry. after a game. It's always angry, man. I mean, so many people like Spencer only completed 50% of his passes, and other people were retorting, Well, the wide receivers suck. They can't catch the ball. And I was like, Can we just agree that it's the first game of the season? Uh you're absolutely right. Spencer completed under 50% of his passes. Yeah, there were definitely some drops. I want to talk a little bit about those drops because that is the other argument I'm hearing from a lot of people. Um, now, I know you're you're always going to be uh, appropriate by the players. My thoughts, I'll give this first, is Nico Regani has traditionally struggled with drops, in my opinion. I think that is something I've mentioned on the show coming into the season. I think Nico Regani is fantastic with the ball in his hands. I think he runs pretty solid routes. But I do believe out of the other wide receivers, he does struggle a little bit with concentration it seems like or catching the ball um he had a drop in this past game as well um is our drop something you can typically attribute to the first game of the season just kind of getting the jitters out and do you expect that to be something that iowa um figures out over the next week that is a very interesting question uh <laughs> no <laughs> no i don't think drops are at all give, given to i think the, the way that I would phrase it is there's never really any excuse, right? Now, yep. again, I've had my fair share of drops. I dropped a couple against Penn State in 2017 before the two-minute drill where I was able to catch one and got smacked um, before we ended up scoring right before uh, – well, before they went down and scored. But, like, there are just times where it just doesn't happen. I mean, there even – there are there aren't that many Larry Fitzgeralds in the world, and what I mean by that is Larry Fitzgerald I think has eight drops over the course of his illustrious career. It's I mean, absurd, it's absolutely insane, absolutely insane. Uh, but as far as like a first first game, I really don't think that that plays into it. I know that they go hard every day in practice and get after it, so um, it's just one of those things that they'll clean up a little bit and move forward with. One thing that I did like uh, a lot about Brigani, uh specifically in the past game was they, they utilized him on a couple bubbles. Mm -hmm. And it's just a way to help make sure that teams don't crowd the box. I mean, when you get nine to 10 yards on a bubble, which is essentially an extension of the run, it's like a long handoff and you're able to do that. I mean, that's, that just helps out your play call. Absolutely, man. And the bubble is something that we talked about a lot last year, as we also did the fade route, because we talked about why those routes are important <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Brian Ferentz also had a three and a half hour uh, podcast with Chad Lysico earlier in the offseason and talked a lot about some of those concepts as well. So super cool to hear uh, you talk about that, then hear Brian talk about it, and then hear it being talked about again in this season as we see some of those concepts be played out. Um, as far as the offense goes, Sam Laporta was a big target, which we kind of expected. Luke Lachey got his first catch of the season, which is awesome to see from a young four-star tight end. In the running game, uh, fumbles were kind of an interesting thing that you don't typically see from Iowa backs. I mean, when you look at this game, you win 34-6. to six. And Iowa still has a lot of things to clean up, in my opinion. You think of the drops, you think of the fumbles. Um, 
you very I very rarely see Iowa lay the ball on the ground. And we saw both Tyler Goodson and Ivory Kelly Martin put the ball on the ground. Um, I want to get your thoughts on Indiana's defense in regards to that, because especially the Tyler Goodson fumble, uh, you know, he was falling down and the Indiana defender was incredibly well positioned to literally just sit there and yank the ball as hard as he can out of Tyler Goodson's hand. So I want to get your thoughts on that and and how we you know how the team can work on that going forward, or if this is just a an Indiana thing and they're just a pretty good defense. Hey, things happen in football. I mean, that's kind of yeah. that's kind of part of it too. Like I had uh, I had one fumble in my career. Uh, it was a punt return against Nebraska. It was 2014, I think, and uh, I caught it. I got about eight to ten yards. I don't know. I ran up the left side, and the punter put his helmet on the ball. You know, and I mean that's just kind of the way it goes. Now, granted, you could argue that I probably should have had better ball security, and um, I know that that's something that they work on every day uh, it was it was implemented um kind of towards the end of my career i don't think we did it at the beginning but towards the end of my career we started implementing ball security every single day and there's different drills that you do to work on ball security it's a it's a it's a full offense thing um, everybody understands how important the ball is so anytime you give it away it's not a good thing um, it, it helps when your defense plays as well as they do and you're able to combat you know that kind of stuff and not give up points um, but it, it's more about it's it's more about kind of being in the right place at the right time. You know, I mean, I saw a few plays out there where our guys are, were a little loose with it sometimes, and that might have been during warmups or whatever. Um, but obviously, ball security is a major point, and it's going to continue to be. Do you know eighty five percent of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You really don't stand a chance. Well, fortunately, we are introducing to you Stat Hero. It is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winnings within reach. Here's how it works Stat Hero shows you the lineups that they are putting together and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. You name the stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else in the market does that today. So go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first deploy. They are literally giving you a 300% match. That is unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That is stathero.com slash locked on. Absolutely, especially as Iowa gets ready for the Iowa State game, which I want to talk about briefly towards the end of the show. You mentioned Iowa's defense, and you know Iowa's defense has played outstandingly uh last couple years and i would argue really anytime under phil parker this defense has always been very solid but the last couple years has just been truly phenomenal on the other side of things michael Penix jr a heisman candidate last year before he injured himself through three interceptions could have been four had we not had a roughing the passer on john wagner so i want to get a a quick uh quick thought on you on on roughing the passer i felt like that was a little bit ticky tacky um, but then you look at what Zach Van Valkenburg was doing on the exact same play, and he was able to, you know, manipulate where he was going and fall to the left versus John Wagner just continued to run right into the passer and really didn't run into him, just slightly shoved. But I want to get your thoughts on that as a rule. Um, I mean, it's there to protect the quarterback, and we saw it on the other side of the field where Spencer gets hit, and if the guy lays off, it's probably not roughing the passer, and we're off the field. Um, but he ends up driving him to the ground, finishes, I think is the way that they phrase it, uh, mm-hmm. finishes the play in there um and then uh, obviously we got the rough in the passer call so 
it's tough. It's kind of a, it's kind of a thing to help try and protect the quarterbacks as best they can. Um, I don't know if I really have a stance on it outside of, (laughs) well, and it's really because it's kind of subjective. Like it's supposed to be objective, but it's kind of subjective on if you feel that it was malicious or, or whatever. And I think I'm kind of dabbling into the targeting sort of verbiage, but I was going to get, I was going to ask you about that next, actually. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of tell when something is meant to be bad and when it's not. And there are some plays in football that you're just not going to take out. I mean, guys are moving as fast as they possibly can, trying to make a play, trying to make a tackle, trying to make a block. And sometimes their body gets put in the wrong situation. Now, should they be penalized for that? I don't think I agree with that, but you know, like I said, sometimes you just get caught in a bad situation. Yeah, man. Did you watch the Ohio State-Minnesota game on Thursday? I heard about the hit, but I did not have a chance to see it. <laughs> okay, because I was watching that game, and I had money on Ohio State. So, uh, naturally, <laughs> I was more inclined to agree with anything that would go Ohio State's favor. My buddy also had money on Ohio State. And we're texting back and forth. and like, that's not targeting. He didn't leave his feet. Um, but, you know, the helmet hit the helmet. And then I get on Twitter. And, again, Twitter is a great area to just to gauge where other people are. And I was like, wow, everyone here thinks that this was a targeting call. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. But um, you got to check out that hit. Uh, I, I'd just be very curious to hear your, your perspective from a wide receiver. Because um, it it, the, the rule is designed to basically make sure you don't get injured, right? Sure, sure. I mean, it's all about the defensive defenseless player. And from what I understand, the play wasn't uh, like it didn't look like he was malicious or intending to like jack this dude up. Yeah. It just kind of happened that it was a bang, bang kind of play, which – I mean, the reason that that phrase is so commonly used is because it happens a lot. You know, bang, 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 bang. It's because you don't have time to think. Everything out there is reacting. You know, I mean, um, going back to like when I was playing, I really thought before the route and then I didn't think while the play was happening. I just reacted to whatever it was. And then you think about what you did after. But when you're in the middle of a play, you don't think. You're just doing. And so I think that that kind of is tough when you don't intend to go helmet to helmet with somebody and it happens. And unfortunately with the way the rules written, that's kind of the way that people have to go. But I think that targeting similar to roughing the passer can be a little bit subjective in terms of what they think they see. Absolutely. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, I'm kind of jumping around here, but Iowa played several younger guys in this game. So Mason Richmond gets the start at left tackle over Jack Plum, a redshirt freshman, former four-star recruit. Uh, and again, the stars don't matter, but I think it's helpful to at least talk about it on the show so people kind of know where these these kids are coming from. Obviously, you um, are on the other side of that, right? I believe you were a two-star. Yeah, you right? got to say on the other side of that. But yes, I was a two-star. <laughs> I, I did not mean that in a, in a, a <laughs> negative way. But um, yeah, I think okay. the point of that is that everyone and you whatever you know what i'm just not gonna try to put myself out of that one four-star recruit mason richmond uh started at left tackle we also had several other younger guys logan lee play at the defensive tackle spot um did you see anything that stood out from these younger guys i'm assuming as long as you didn't notice anything there wasn't anything necessarily bad but i thought mason richmond really held his own at the left tackle spot and at the wide receiver spot we were expecting to maybe see keegan johnson and arlen bruce but we didn't really get any glimpses of those guys so just wanted to get your thoughts on some of the younger guys on the roster they got um, they got, I want to say, like five or six reps. Like, it wasn't yep. a lot of reps, but I do think they got a few reps uh, themselves. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes to what you just said. I mean, you kind of took the words of, if you didn't notice anything, then it must have been okay. 
Now, yep. granted, when they go back and they look at the film and they're looking at technically, you know, how was his drop? How was his set? How was how were his hands? You know, then they'll address it at that time. But if Spencer's not on his back all the time or having to roll to his right because left tackle came in or spinning out to his left because, you know, the left tackle gave up whatever, then I think it's pretty solid. I love it. Um, and not to continue to bring up the stars, but another former two-star recruit, Riley Moss, had an absolutely phenomenal game. Last year, I remember us sitting here talking about Riley Moss, and Riley Moss has had a very interesting journey for the Iowa Hawkeyes. A gray shirt, comes out of Ankeny, very, very fast, under-recruited, uh, earns playing time as a true freshman, and has started games in every single season for the last four years. Um, that is pretty phenomenal of a trajectory for Riley Moss. Iowa fans have an up and down relationship with Riley. I feel like when you look back at his freshman season, and I want to reiterate freshman season as a gray shirt coming on, he had a rough game. I want to say against Purdue and got pulled. Purdue. Yep. That was a, that was a tough game. And he, there are times where he might give up a play or two. And we've talked about it last year where He's been in good position. The wide receiver just made a phenomenal catch. Now everyone is on the Riley Moss hype train. I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on Riley and what he was able to do in this game and how it's all kind of coming full circle um, as, as Riley Moss continues to development through this program. Well, the first play, the first interception that he had was more right place, right time. Mm -hmm. So he's in his, he's where he's supposed to be. Uh, and they throw it to the receiver. Receiver gets, you know, short arms. It tries to catch it off the shoulder pad. Obviously, that's never the way you want to catch it. And Riley coming up to make the play happens to be right in the right spot for the ball. <clears throat> Excuse me. And runs in for a touchdown. Second one, he read the quarterback the whole time. You know, he's already he's already shifted in. He's reading what the quarterback's drop is. And then the receiver goes out to run the route. The receiver actually falls back out of it, which is the number one thing you can't do. As <laughs> the ball is coming to you, you can't fade away from it because exactly what what we, what they say is going to happen did happen when Riley jumped it brought it back to the house. Um, obviously, that ball security there at the very end where he's holding it by the nose, I was like, just get across. Just yeah. get across <laughs> and then celebrate. Um, but either way, so, I mean, yeah, two, two phenomenal plays. And I think um, I think he was a little bit better at in terms of keeping things in front of him but still being sticky, if that makes sense. You've heard me talk about it before, but Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market today. It is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. They have flavors for literally everyone. Sweet, salty, fruity, you name it, they've got it. And all these bars are covered in 100% chocolate. But the best part about these bars are not just how delicious they are, it is how healthy they are for you as well. Between 17 and 18 grams of protein, between 130 and 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, it is the built bar or the protein bar that is used by the track and field team and is also the protein bar sponsoring BYU walk-ons and paying for their entire scholarship so why wouldn't you want to try a fantastic tasting protein bar from a company like that go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked 15 that's l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 and you'll get 15% off your first order use the promo code locked 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com betonline.ag is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action Baseball season is in full swing, and the NFL and college football seasons are right around the corner. Unless you want to bet on preseason games, you can do that right now. But you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs at betonline.ag. So before the next pitch or the next snap, head over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information today. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the games as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs or their path to the Lombardi Trophy. 
Again, head over to that website, get that free account, and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code LOCKEDON, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I mean, the guy has clearly has a penchant for getting his hands on the balls, which is uh, fun to see. Obviously, pick sixes are a great way to continue to build momentum or just completely annihilate and destroy any momentum that Indiana was possibly going to have. Uh, the secondary has been a big area of emphasis this upcoming offseason for many Iowa media member. They return all their starters, and they have several really good, talented young guys behind those starters. This secondary, I thought, played outstanding against a what was considered one of the best passing attacks in the Big Ten last year. But I think there's actually a lot of room for improvement. This secondary got their hands on quite a few balls and wasn't able to come down. I think Jack Kerner had uh, two possible picks. Kayvon Merriweather almost had a pick. Uh, anything else I missed? There? I think that was. I think there was three possible other interceptions. And then you you got to count Matt Hankins' interception that should have counted outside of the the roughing the passer. I mean, you're looking at that. That's am I counting that right? That's seven seven potential that's interceptions we could have had. Yeah, I mean that's that's a lot for a secondary, especially against such a strong passing attack. I mean, as a receiver, to just put a little nudge. I mean, that's why they play DB, right? <laughs> yeah, I uh, throw, throwing some shade out there. I love it, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of throwing some shade in the you know playing DB because you don't have good hands. Dane Belton's catch, though, I thought was, was amazing. Phenomenal. I don't know how he was being held up by the wide receiver and then just comes off him to grab that play or grab that ball. Um, any other thoughts you want to give on Dane Belton? It was kind of an interesting. They move him around a lot. The defense is looking a little funky because they're able to do so many different things. Um, you know, the Leo that I'm used to is like a Kirksey or, <laughs> or a Bo Bauer, you know, a linebacker type that can move in space versus a safety that's like, all right, you're lining over the tackle. If you got to get in the box, you got to get in the box. So it's a, it's a little different scheme that they're running. Um, but obviously him being able to move around means, you know, one of the, one of the main one of the big things is versatility um, because the more things that you can bring to a team, the more reason the team has to leave you on the field, right? If you can do a lot of things, then they never have to take you off. Just like if I'm going to think offensively, if I know, if I play Z, but I know X, Z, and F and Y, then no matter what position we're in, I can stay on the field because I know what I'm doing regardless of what position I'm at. So if you want to trade somebody else, that's fine. I'll play F. Okay, and now I'll move to H. Now I'll move to Y. Now I'll move to Z. Now I'll move to X. And I don't have to leave because I know it all. That's kind of what they're doing with Dane on the other side, and I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, man, it's exciting. And then even behind him, they have Jesson Jacobs, uh, another former four-star recruit who is a highly touted linebacker prospect out of Ohio. So um, that that defense, if you want to go bigger, you put Jesson Jacobs in. He had a couple of good plays. If you want to go a little bit smaller and have some more of that versatility, uh, you have Dane Belton, and I think that is just awesome to see. The defense is clearly, in my opinion, in midseason form. The defensive line, I thought, held up mostly well. I thought I have two other things before we get um, getting kind of the last last little thoughts, but the defensive line, I thought, held up pretty well against Indiana. Now, granted, Indiana's rushing attack has never been overly dominant, um, especially last year. It wasn't very good, all things considered. Uh, I did think they ran up the middle a little bit early on and was having some success, but Iowa's defensive line did eventually shut that down. Any other thoughts you want to give on a very young and inexperienced Iowa defensive line? Well, I think it starts with Van Valkenburg. I mean, he's kind of got the uh, – um, no, I'm not comparing him to Drew Ott. I want to be very <laughs> clear. Drew Ott was a phenomenal athlete, obviously. Um did a lot of really good things, was able to burst off the ball. And, and, and like I said, a phenomenal athlete. 
But Van Valkenburg, the way he walks, the way he kind of went through warm-ups, the way his mannerisms kind of match that of Drew. And I think he's starting to get a little more outspoken in terms of uh, really moving forward in his own game, let alone bringing other guys up. And I think that's a cool thing to see. Absolutely, man. Um, and you mentioned something. Are you, were you in the stadium yesterday? Yes, sir. How was the energy, man? Because I, I was in a bar and I was so <laughs> jacked up. I think people thought I was – I mean, it was it was probably concerning how excited I was about a football game on a screen. Um, I cannot imagine how Kinnick was. How was it the first game in almost two years with fans? Yeah, it was pretty electric. It was really cool. Um, actually, Laura – uh, a lot of Laura's stuff got, um, she gets out there and she goes, well, welcome back to Kinnick. And the place went crazy. And uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was a good time. It was a good feeling to be back. I kind of forgot that that many people existed in Iowa City. So it's yeah. kind of nice <laughs> to just to see everybody in there together. And of course, again, with a common goal, like that's one of the best parts about it is, now granted, you've got your little blurbs of red from Indiana, which is, I mean, you need that too. But it's just kind of cool when that many people have a common goal and it's like to watch the Hawks. You know, it, it was yeah. a pretty cool thing. It is. It's uh, it's amazing how sports brings people together um, in any time, good or bad. Absolutely. All right, Matt. Um, Iowa wins 34 to 6. Any last thoughts on this victory from the Hawks? That's kind of kind of goes back to your point that um, although we won by 28, you know, there's still there's still room for improvement. And that's a good thing. Um, you know, we got to see a we got to see a little snapshot of Alex Padilla, and he had a uh, um, he he made the right read on his first, <laughs> but he didn't um, he didn't make it quick enough. So I mean, it was just one of those things. He's reading a certain type of backer on the backside, and he knows that if he comes, then he's got the he's got the little uh, route behind it. Well, he turns to do the handoff, and he goes, "Wait a minute, I think that guy was blitzing," and then turns to throw it, and the guy's right there. <laughs> so, and the reason that we were the reason that they throw it is because there's nobody to block him. So yep. that's taking advantage of a hole in the defense that we don't have a we don't have a spot for. So you do that kind of thing, and then the second play, he falls at the center, and you're like, ah. <laughs> it's a rough it's a rough first go but i'm sure he'll bounce back I, I got no doubt yeah i'd rather have him make those mistakes in time like that than when we really need him right if you look back to the ricky sure. sanzi era and you have james vandenberg coming in and he played admirably but you want to have a guy be able to come in against a northwestern or ohio state and be able to keep you in the game just like james was able to do in ricky's in ricky's absence uh, i'd actually had one last thing um Wow, I love sometimes Brian Ferentz's play calling just gets me so giddy. We've talked about that last year where uh, there's times I'm like, why is he doing this? And you're like, everything he's doing is setting things up for another thing down the road, right? He might run this play now that you don't like or you don't understand, but it's because 18 plays from now, the defense is going to do something else and he's going to know what happened because he ran that play. But I just got, I got to say, man, that Spencer Petras draw was so fun to see. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but Spencer Petras had negative four rushing yards last year and <laughs> outgained his last year's rushing total by fit 13 in one rush. Uh, any any thoughts on that before we close out the show, man? I mean, to be fair, he probably beat his last year just by stepping on the field. That, he did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but either way, yeah, that was a phenomenal play call. And it's just one of those things you get everybody out there. Uh, scary moment there with Linderbaum. Thankfully, he got off under his own power and was able to come back and, and play the rest of the game. Um, but, I mean, Spencer's a big kid. You know, he's kind of a Stanley-type build. Um, so he's not afraid to go in there and, and do what he has to do in order to get that. So, I mean, you never can count anything out. But at the same time, 
I don't know how many we're going to run with Spencer, but we'll take we'll take the one that we got. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something Indiana clearly wasn't anticipating. Uh, I wasn't anticipating, and now it's on film, so teams have to at least be uh, slightly concerned about it. Um, last thing, Iowa State. How how do you prepare for an Iowa State team coming up? Um, I don't know if you got to watch the UNI game, but Iowa State uh, typically doesn't do well against some of our in-state opponents. Um, what are your thoughts on Iowa State? And then we'll close. I know I, I know I keep saying this, but we will close out the show after this last question. <laughs> Iowa State, what are your thoughts? All good. I mean, you're right. I mean, anytime they play UNI, they seem to uh, play pretty close. And I think UNI is, always shows up, even if even against us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, UNI is always excited to play us in Iowa State, and they do a really good job of doing that. Um, as far as Iowa State, I mean, every time we play them, I mean, it's it's kind of their their Super Bowl, you know, and it's it's the Cyhawk, you know, it's there's a lot to it. It's tradition. It's it's uh, for us now this year going over there. It's walking into enemy territory, and that is a phenomenal feeling um, going over there. And that's outside of Kinnick, that was my favorite place to play. Um, the grass is always cut real nice. You know, it's always like prepared. You know, you walk in by their student section, so they're all screaming stuff at you, and you'll <laughs> hear it. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a real fun atmosphere, and I'm hoping the guys are looking forward to it. Yeah, man. I, I spoke with Tori Taylor a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, again, a guy who has not grown up with the Cyhawk rivalry, and he was even saying, I'm really annoyed about how many people are talking about the Cyclones this year. It is really annoying that everyone thinks they're going to be such a good team, and I cannot wait to play them. So I'm hoping that Chip has clearly moved over to everyone else's shoulders. Uh, Iowa coming into this game as an underdog, which is not a normal position for the Hawks, but looking forward to that. Uh, Matt, as always, it has been a pleasure. Um, with every new beginning comes some other beginnings end, and uh, I think that's the that's the case here. This is our final Monday morning recap with Matt Vandenberg. Matt, you are going to be doing some awesome things with your podcast. Uh, just remind the folks again where they can find you at. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed our time, and, uh, and I'm sure we'll stay up to date. And Absolutely, man. Too. Um, but yeah, anywhere you get your podcast from, it's called Believe in Iowa Football. It's, uh, it, there's a picture of like Laura and I on it or something. I don't know. <laughs> they, they, they did all the cover art. I'm not artistic in any way. I got the art skills of a three-year-old. So they, they did all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast from, look to uh, drop something tomorrow to recap kind of the game. Awesome, man. And I really just want to quickly shout out myself for being able to come up with a closing time reference. Uh, always, always good to be able to put in some semi-sonic <laughs> into, into the podcast. Uh, Matt, has always been a pleasure. Hawkeye Nation, if you are listening to this on the podcast, check out the YouTube video as well. Uh, we are here Monday through Friday. We are not going to be here tomorrow, though, because I'm on vacation. And I uh, just wanted to get this one out there because I thought it was important. And we are not going to be doing a Tuesday episode. Uh, make sure to follow us on every single podcast network you can find us at. Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it. We are there. Have a fantastic weekend, Hawkeye Nation. Enjoy your long weekend. And let's go Hawks.